welcome to another episode of the Imperfect Scientist. The podcast to uncover your strengths and to empower you. Welcome to this all new episode where we're going to touch on a topic that I think is going to be very close to the heart of a lot of people because we are all there at some point, aren't we, Daniel? Yeah, yeah. It's something that we uh, all do. Uh, we get better at doing it, right? The more often we do it, at least that's my perception. Yes. And uh, let's just review the topic. <laughs> and right away, we're going to be talking about interviewing. We're going to be talking about um, when you're in a position to where you've applied for a job or a PhD position or a postdoc, or it can also be an industry. This is actually a general principle we're going to be talking about. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And about interviewing and how you can how you can actually rock your next interview. Because for some of you, it might be um, that you've only seen one tie, one side of the table, right? I mean, it's really one of the aha moments that I get in courses and career courses where we discuss this topic is that they go, they, I make them feel how it feels like on the other side of the table as well. Exactly. Um, that is um, that is such a powerful tool in it in and of itself. And we are going to talk about perspective. We're going to talk about how to put yourself in the shoes of the other person and, and, and how important it is that you understand that now, no matter how nervous you are, no matter how excited you are about the position, um, it's not all about you. Like an interview is a two-way process and you should use it to your maximum advantage. You can use it both ways to your maximum advantage. And that's why one of the words that we wanted to use for uh, this episode was actually perspective. Right, because I mean, realizing that you are um, that the other side has a problem, the hiring side has a problem. Either they got money to solve a problem, or somebody left, and now they have a gap to fill, or whatever. I mean, they in any case have a gap to fill, so they have a problem, um, and they're under stress, and and that's a really hard thing to do. I know that many group leaders in, in science, they say that one of the hard, the, the hardest thing that they have to do in their work is hiring people because that's so difficult. Um, and realizing that the other side is in, has a problem and that you have to, if you solve their problem, if you make them believe that you are the person to solve their problem, you're going to get the job. I think that's a, that's a big step forward, realizing that's that you're not the only one in stress there. I think that's huge. Um, usually we are self-centered anyways, uh, like by default humans. On top of that, when you go to an interview, you're usually very nervous. You're usually very stressed and maybe very excited, especially if it's your PhD position or a postdoc position you really want in the lab that's doing the top-notch science that you really want to join in. That's exactly the topic. And, and you just get nervous. It's natural. Um, and, and you have you know, like all your stress hormones are pumping through the system and it's only natural to be, to be stressed and to be pumped. But you can use that to your advantage and you should never forget, as hard as it is, that that's exactly what you just said, Daniel, that the other side has a problem, that the other side wants to know if you are the person to help them solve the problem. And, and that's what you wanna make clear to them, whether you are or that you are, um, and, and let's talk about the nuances of, of the interview process um, later on, because as I said, I think this is something that's very, very close to my heart. Um, I've interviewed a lot, like myself as a candidate. Um, I've also interviewed people for positions. And, but whenever I interview as a candidate, something that I always keep in mind is that I want to know if it's also a fit for me. It's not, 
only about um, me convincing them. It definitely is. I want to like, I really want it, but I also want to find out, is it, is this the place I want to be? Is this the people I want to work with? Um, and, and, and in any case, this is something that I find has helped me be so much more convincing at interviews, just being very open. And, um, and we actually have a word of the, a word of the week or a word of the day, don't we, Daniel? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's indestructible. Exactly. And, and maybe that feels a little weird at first, but we picked it, we picked it for a very good reason that you're going to hear about um, when Daniel is going to tell his story, which is a very, very powerful story yeah. um, about interviewing. But I guess the, what's the, what's the, you know, like the bottom line, the take home message of why we picked this word, Daniel? Um, it's, it's as if I said, when she was in her, uh, when she was doing interviewing as a candidate, she at one point, maybe earlier, for me it was was later, realized um, um, how she also needs to fit, like they need to fit to her, right? So um, you get better and better at interviewing, which means that you should not get discouraged in the beginning or when something happens, right? Um, you are indestructible because you will, get a job, of course. The question is just, will you get a better job? I think that's the, that's the point. And will you be um, happy with your performance um, after, the, after the interview? I just heard somebody say she was so unhappy with the way that she performed in the job interview because she knew all the answers, but she was so stressed and she was so anxious that she, um, she said she made a blunder. Um, and somebody once told me, um, I'm also boxing, I was boxing, but, but I was never in a fight, so I shouldn't boast here, but uh, in the boxing fight, the winner is the one who gets up once more often than the opponent. Right. It's all about getting up. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a simplified view of boxing, obviously, but I think it's, uh, this is where the indestructible comes from. So um, you should not see... Uh, you can see the interviewing process as a winning process, right? The winner takes it all, but you can also see it as a training. Um, and you'll realize the more interviewing you do, you'll still be anxious and still be nervous and still be lots of adrenaline in your, in your system, at least if you're a normal person. Um, but um, you'll get better, right? You'll get better at this. And in the end, the, if you're a senior person applying for a position, it's more of a sparring that you're doing with the, with the other side, because both sides know that your senior people are who, veterans of interviewing from both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, um, I absolutely agree. You get better at this the same way that you get better by practicing any other skill. Um, yeah. that you might feel a little bit insecure or uncomfortable about. And because this podcast is all about uncovering your strengths and giving you tools to do that and to, and to empower you, um, this is definitely one. I mean, practice is one of those things you can do to get better at interviewing. The more you do, the more natural it's going to come, the less anxious you're going to be. Um, there's always going to be that component if it matters anything to you. As Daniel said, you yeah. know, as you said, um, if you're normal, there's always going to be that component. But um, to me, something like a huge transformation that happened during interviewing as I got better and more practice is that I started 
just speaking my mind out so much more during interviews and not just answering questions uh-huh. I became proactive I think that's a very like a change that was huge in the way that I became a different interviewee a different candidate different type of candidate and I wasn't just the person who was waiting for the do you have any questions at the very yeah. end of the interview but I was actually challenging views politely and respectfully or giving my opinion um, or also even saying I don't know but I can find out and I know how to do this other thing yeah um, and, yeah. Uh, and, and and always kind of turning it so that they would see the potential that I have and not so much the knowledge and I might have knowledge gaps and that's always kind of what people are most concerned with oh I have yeah. a knowledge gap here I don't know this yes and that's not what matters to the person who's interviewing you so much I once I had this discussion with my supervisor we wanted to hire someone else for the for the team that needed someone who was going to do some machine learning and it's not so easy to find someone who's an expert in machine learning who is also going to understand some biology and is going to be kind of not very much on the nerdy side of machine learning it's very very difficult to find that kind of person because you're doing cliches right now right (laughs) <laughs> yes, <laughs> this was the position in which we were with all our cliches, <laughs> exactly. Techie anyway, so that's fair enough, I guess. No, but you know, like the point of content that I had was, yeah. I think you're approaching this maybe the wrong way. There might be a better way to approach hiring yeah. this person. What you want is not someone who's extremely knowledgeable about machine learning. What you yeah. want is someone who's very motivated. Maybe yes. they don't know like by the project and by the spirit of the project. And this was an open source project. So something where it was all about sharing data, all about making data available to the community. So someone who would identify with that spirit, someone who would identify with that mission and maybe didn't know that much machine learning, but would be willing to learn it yes. would be for me, a much better candidate than someone who was an expert in machine learning, but only wanted to implement something that was yeah. very puristic, very, very perfect but wasn't actually going to be engaged with the project. Yes. And, and, and this is my take also when I interview for a position then that I say, I what I want to demonstrate is my willingness, my energy, my motivation, my reasons for wanting this job, like for being motivated. That's what I want them to see. Yes. And I mean, there's this extreme example that I talked about in the making your own recipe for success episode, right? Yes. Um, my postdoc went, to another postdoc position after my lab, which was mm-hmm. really, really shitty, really bad. She went to all the horrors and like all the horrors. Yeah. And um, she was, uh, afterwards she was indestructible, right? Um, in, in a way, because she said, you know, this has been the shittiest experience that, I, that could ever happen to me. There's nothing that's gonna be as bad as this. So I can try anything. And she, right, she nailed the interviewing for Fraunhofer for renewable energy being a molecular biologist just by saying i'm gonna be solving your problem trust me and they asked her all kinds of content questions you know how does this renewable energy and how does wind uh, feed into this and how does whatever and she said every time you know i don't know right now but trust me i'm going to solve your problem i know how to solve problems i'm gonna read into this i'm gonna be knowledgeable about this very fast because i'm an excellent scientist and i'm going to fill the gap trust me and they gave her the job and i think that's a that's a hilarious example i think and she was a top notch person when it comes to enthusiasm motivation energy um and i think that's an that's an excellent story 
Yeah. And because whenever somebody tells me, you know, I don't have this part, I have A, B, and C, but I miss D in the job ad, and I tell them that that story, and the bottom line is just go ahead. If you really want that position, you're going to be assertive, which was one other word we wanted to pick, right? They're going to be assert, be assertive, be positive, be authentic, and you'll be very convincing. Yes. And I actually have a similar story. I mean, it's not quite as powerful as um, as the one with your postdoc, but I th this is still something that kind of, I don't know if it amazes me. I think to some extent it was a good fit and I was just very happy in the way this interview went. I was interviewing for a position um, to be a developer uh, for a company, for a chemical company. They have a division where they also did some, some biology, although it was, well, it was genomics. Um, the topic is not too important. The important thing is that this was, this was a team of developers. So mostly it was computer scientists making tools for the scientists that they could analyze big data. And um, I actually applied for that position. They, the chemical company didn't have a lot of positions for, for people with a biological background. And this was anyways a developer position where I fit very much not, you know, like at least on paper, because I didn't have any coding skills that were not kind of self-acquired and a bit ridiculous in my view. But I still applied. I made it like, you know, very clear in my letter. And whenever I talked to them in the very early interviews that I did not know a lot of things about coding, but I was very enthusiastic about learning them. And I was um, very, very stubborn. And I could demonstrate that with other life experiences. And that's also maybe a key message to remember. You can demonstrate anything about the way you are as a person through your life experiences, job or not job related. That's not so important. You just have to really think and take your time to think what are my best qualities that I want to present for this job? Yes. Um, and how am I going to present them? And in this case, they were asking me, you know, like, so what's your coding experience? And I was like, well, this is my coding experience. I've done this, 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 this with these tutorials. And this is what it looks like. And this is the code. And it was, you know, like you show this to a computer scientist and they're like, oh my God, what's this? It's messy. It doesn't have any structure. It doesn't, but I, and I said, sure, but it works, right? There's a website, there's a web server that does the thing. Can it be improved? Yes, so I told him, if you hire me for this job, clearly and exactly more or less in these words, I mean, like very, very kind of honestly and openly, I'm not going to know how to do it the first day. I'm not going to be productive from day one. Give me three to six months and I'm going to rock it because I know I know how to learn. I've learned myself. If you now put me in a team of people who are willing to support me and help me and you give me a project like this that I'm motivated by. In three to six months, I'm your star, you know, like not your star as in I'm doing everything, but I'm definitely the person that you wanted to get because I have what what you want in the job, which is motivation and 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 willingness to deliver. Yes. And and I got a job offer that was extremely good. Um, in the end, I turned it down for other reasons because for personal reasons we took a different path at that point. But it was very hard to turn that down because the whole interview process was so smooth somehow. And I also had I remember HR telling me you come across as a person who's just so honest and so open about what you can and cannot do that we just trust that you're going to do that and that's what you want to that's what you want to kind of trigger in the other person right yes. trust yes. you want them to trust that you're going to be able to help them solve the problem i also like um that you are a star 
right? Um, because that's one of the methods that we're yes. going to give you and deliver you a star. And, and actually, if I, um, you just uh, told them how it works, you pick an example from yes. the past. And it's not only about the things that um, fit to your strengths, but also some of the reasons, I mean, there's a number of reasons why you apply for that job, right? Which means there is some matching. It doesn't have to be a molecular biologist applying ah, for renewable yeah. energies, but um, probably there is some matches like matching so you pick a star for your strengths and you pick a star also for everything that they have um in their job advert which is matching to your cv you pick a star right Eva? right and um the big advantage of star is that it's going to it's going to help you be authentic about that it's going to help you put yourself in that situation and when you talk about something that has actually happened in your life you are so much more enthusiastic um, when you talk about how you feel, when you kind of put yourself again in that situation. So that's what the STAR is about. I think we should disclose it so that people know what we're talking about. STAR is an acronym, as, as many are. STAR is an acronym for um, S, situation uh, that happened, something that occurred in your past, some story. It's a story. Actually, S story is much better. S, S is the situation, okay? T is the uh, task that was at hand. Uh, so for your situation was then coding something. Right. Um, A is the action that you took um, so that you actually went ahead and coded this thing. And R was the uh, result that was working. And the advantage of using an example from the past is that it actually happens again in the job interview, right? The information you get across is like numbers vary, but it's uh, roughly 30% verbal and all the rest is nonverbal meaning uh, 50 to 70% of the information you convert is non-verbal. And this is a very powerful piece of information because it's usually hard to cheat on your non-verbal uh, communication. It's hard to lie non-verbally. Mm -hmm. So um, your body language is gonna transport. So if you have a star from your past, which was obviously you're going to pick a success story, right? So if yeah. I ask a job interviewee, whether they are team players, they're gonna say, yes, I'm a team player. This tells me nothing, right? Because it's very easy to lie with words. And I'm not saying that they're lying, but it just says that it doesn't mean anything. Well, uh, but then when you ask them, well, tell me a story or let's not pick team um, player, but let's pick conflict management, right? You mm -hmm. ask them again of a conflict in the past and how they address this, and they're going to go through those emotions again. So if you pick a, uh, if you're unprepared, you might pick a conflict that, that did not go so well, right? So you better prepare for a star um, for that for that um, question. And then you're going to go back to that success story when you were a real good team player, when you were really organized, when you were whatever, managing a project really well. And you're going to talk about this, which is going to be 30%, but much more important, you're going to feel again that success story. You're going to feel inside again. You're going to back, go back to those days and you're going to feel like that again. And you're going to become confident. You're going to become the success story that you were back then. You're going to become the assertive, strong, powerful leader, uh, empathetic, whatever, um, from that situation in the past. And you're going to transport that non-verbally to the interviewers, which is going to be excellent. And, and, um, this, and this is exactly 
how you become indestructible in that sense, indestructible yeah. um, in a job interview or in whatever questions might come at you. Um, because as you just said, Daniel, you, your body language, your nonverbal communication is very difficult to, to fake or pretend. You can do it, but then it takes a lot, lot, lot of practice. Um, and even if you wanted to do that, one of the best ways to train for that is to actually, how do actors do this when they want to put themselves in the, yeah. in the, in the role? Um, and they don't actually feel like they have to feel, they have to get into that role that they, I mean, obviously actors go to great lengths, right? I mean, physically, um, they gain, lose weight. Um, they, I don't know, they set themselves um, in a certain mental state yes. um, and so on. And that's the extreme. You don't need to do that. But even if you wanted to, in that sense, I'm not, I'm not even going to say fake, but if you want to put yourself in that, in that emotion, then the best way to do it is through a start, <laughs> through yes. a um, through an actual event, and, um, and 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 through something that actually happened, and then you can transport it maybe as an actor to something that didn't happen to script to something else. But yes, that's yes. not even something you have to do because all you have to do is pick a life experience, no matter how small it seems, as long as it's meaningful to you, and and somehow and then, related yeah. to the obviously related to the topic at hand. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool. And you can do that. It's a it's an easy preparation, right? You, you you go through the job advert, and they ask for whatever being a team player, being at a uh, position between um, having to transport information, having to organize something, whatever it is, and then you just uh, pick a star from the past. It's easy. Yes, it's easy. It's very accessible. If you're, I mean, for for some people, it might be difficult to um, to be kind of in that moment put yourself in the emotion and 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 kind of let it be um spontaneous which is the best way kind of you know like uh, when when you just put yourself in that emotion and just let it stream through you so to say um you you can practice that i would for most people i would advise that you don't over practice in the sense that you don't want it to come across practice you know like it's scripted when 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 someone asks you something it's it's exactly the opposite right you want it to be like a channel, uh, you want to be the channel for for the story you're telling, um, and the emotion you're you're transmitting. Um, as I said, it's it's um, it's actually going to be very hard to practice body language. So you can just uh, tell the story as it was, and body language is going to happen by itself. So don't worry. Exactly. exactly. But sometimes, you know, if you just think what I what I want to warn against against in a sense is that sometimes if you just think of a situation um, and don't actually tell that story you might realize in the moment when you're telling it that that was not the perspective you wanted to put on it maybe that it's not coming out you know like quite the the way like if you just spontaneously think of a story of a star related to team playing for example or to conflict management like you said you have to make sure that ahead of time you think of how you're going to tell that story or how it feel how that story feels and it has a positive spin it's it's important right that yeah. it has but that's why you're going to pick a success story and then you just authentically talk about what that was like and you're going to be fine yeah um yeah 
Yes, I think so. Star is extremely powerful. Yeah. Um, that's that's one of the tools. Um, on, on both sides of the table, by the way. Okay. So also for asking people, for example, that you interview, I think that's also a powerful thing. It's because stories work, right? We talked about in our episode, um, how to get information across stories work. That's what you do. Yeah. Cool. I mean, people then are, might actually remember, you know, like this is the person who told this story. You know, like the story about this and that, and that could be something that identifies you yes. Yes. And, and makes you unique in that sense. And it's good. It's good. You it's want to be, exactly. It's memorable. And um, one other tool that we kind of talked about, we mentioned it at the beginning, is it's all about perspective. It's all about putting yourself in the shoes of the other person as well. So one other tool you can use to, to prepare and to rock your next interview is to actually put yourself in the shoes of the interviewer. Yeah to actually change roles with someone and say, I'm going to interview for this job, but now I'm going to be the interviewer. Yes. And you're going to play the interviewee. Yes. And you are going to gain so much knowledge. You have to actually think, okay, now I have the job ad in front of me. This is what they want. Now I'm the interviewer. What do I want? Yes. How do I feel when this person answers this question? Um, how does it feel when the other person says, I don't know? Um, you know, like all these things. And the more you do this, the better of a feel you'll develop for what the other side feels when they're interviewing. And yes. then you will go from being this sort of passive, not completely passive, but the person answering the questions to someone who is very proactive and realizes uh -huh. what is behind that question. Um, how yes. can I answer it in the most honest and positive way that it convinces them once again, always with the aim in mind to solve a problem. Yes, how it's helpful. And that's something that I do in the in the career courses as well, where people change, where they say, mm -hmm. I want to apply for this job, Edward. And I say, well, now you're the hiring side and somebody right. else is applying for this. And you have to pick which one of those persons that applies. They will have three people applying for that position and you have to pick the best one. And I've, and this is such a telling in, uh, um, uh, experience. That, and that's something that you can do with your friends. If they're um, real friends, they're going to spend the time to do this with you. And then you can actually be the hiring side, not practicing how to, how to interview for that position, but actually practicing how you would hire somebody for that position, which is going to be very telling. Um, so do that. Try that. And it's this positive, helpful attitude that um, I experienced with a postdoc who was applying for, for a position. Um, who was actually, who had a really bad luck during his career. He was a, um, he was a very senior postdoc. He was heading several postdocs and a technician in a lab. So he was kind of almost group leader, just not with a title. Um, and then there was no more money. They didn't hit the right spot with the funding agencies, so they didn't get money. And he had to be let loose, right? The professor that department had was really reluctant to let him go. And I've, I called him because he was applying at my position. I called the professor and he said that was such a bad luck at this time. Mm -hmm. um, and then this postdoc teamed up with his wife um, to sell cosmetics on the internet. And, and I, went, I was going like, what? Um, because it, it had said in the CV. So I was kind of, well, anyways. Curious at least, well, right? Say again? Curious at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then he said, yeah, and, and so for most people, uh, they would say this would be a break in their CV, right? You would say that, I mean, somebody going from molecular biology, looking at insect hormones, going to selling cosmetics on the internet, that would be like a hilarious break. 
and that would be kind of a downside, right? Somebody right. who failed at insect hormones now doing some haphazard job, some random thing. And he said, and I'm still getting goosebumps when I talk about this. He said, and that's where I learned how to get, how to convey information via the internet, which is so powerful nowadays. And I realized, Jesus, that's an asset. You know, it's an asset in science nowadays to be able to convey information via the internet. We've been talking, I'm not sure, in one of the episodes on how much, how important Twitter has become for actually yeah. uh, collecting citations for your papers. So it's all about, um, I mean, being knowledgeable about how to transfer information on the internet is a strong asset. And he was exploiting that. He was saying, so I learned this in this job, in this shop. I learned how to get these customers there. I learned how to manage uh, misconceptions in the internet, which is a very powerful knowledge nowadays, right? Um, and I went like, geez, that's an asset. Him working in the cosmetics company of his wife is an asset, but it got even more drastic because the next step, he split with his wife. She threw him out of the job of the shop, and then he picked up a job in a mill um, where they were producing flour. And I went like, you know what and he said yeah so he was I, i'm not even sure what he did there he might have been carrying the flower bags around um and and then he said so i was kind of curious how is he going to turn that into a positive and then he said well they had a problem with pests there they had contaminations with some kind of flower bug Mm -hmm. And then he said, so he was then, he realized that he was an expert and I was like, how could he be an expert in a mill? And he said, well, I've been working on insect hormones for a long time. So right. he was an expert in insect hormones. And then he advised the mill owner on how to handle the pest using specific chemicals that would kind of drive, the, I forgot the details, of course, but he was again working at the mill. He was indestructible in handling the insect pest in the mill using his strength of his knowledge of insect hormones he this guy i mean with these two twists in his career um every like 99 of everybody else would have said you know i'm sorry that i failed here and i failed there no he was aware that this was weird to me but he was totally um indestructible in saying you know this is where I applied this strength. This is what I learned here. And actually, I think you can do that with anything. Absolutely. You can learn from anything. That's one of the few things that I'm trying being an old, a senior is that I realized, geez, I can learn from this. I'm going to try and learn from even this failure. And he learned, and I wanted to, I mean, I said, okay, you're, you're hired. It was only the problem was with the team um, that there was somebody else in my team who was exactly the same as this guy. And those two guys would have been hitting each other all the time. So that's why I couldn't hire him, but he was, he was indestructible. And that was such an amazing experience. I learned from him. I, every time I go now, I go like, shit, this is a failure. How can I turn this into positive? I think of this guy and I say like, you try hard and there's going to be one way on how you're going to learn from even this thing, because this guy, he was so impressive, incredible. Yes. And I think that's an excellent story to, 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 to make the point again, that you can turn anything, any of your life experiences, no matter if job related or not, once again, uh, or directly job related, say different job, different experience, your year abroad, I don't know, whatever it is, there 
is so much learning that happens around everything that happens to you, everything that every experience that you go through. And you can turn that into, into a learning moment and into a telling moment, into an emotional moment. And emotions is what makes us what makes us decide you know at the end of the day even for buying a product and this is something marketers know that this is all based on emotion and this is very similar for hiring decisions because we are emotional beings we are going to go probably more with the person we trust than with the person who seems to have the best cv but somehow there is a glitch there in their behavior or they're very obscure or it's hard to say if they would be team players or not and so on. So it's a lot easier to go with someone where you know that there is a flaw, like, you know, like a knowledge gap, for example, but you feel a certain attachment and you feel like you can confide in them, you can trust them, than it is to go with the person that you don't know so much about. And that's why everybody says, you know, like networking and, you know, why hiring decisions are often made on connections much more easily when you can call someone and say, well, what's this person like, really? Yes. Um, than, than, than just by interviewing kind of strangers or by putting out that position. Because again, if you put yourself in the shoes of the person who has the money and has the problem and wants to hire someone, that's not an easy process. Yes. So remember when you're interviewing for a position that there are always two sides, that the other side also has a big challenge ahead and that you can take all the advantage in the world by being um, someone they can trust by being someone that, that, they, that, that they can solve a problem, but especially someone that can fit in their team, can, can, can deliver and is going to be motivated and integrating and so on. Yes, and it's, uh, this means being authentic, yes. right? Being your own true self, which is kind of a you know, balance in a job interview because there might be, I mean, there's obviously some things which are not so nice. I mean, we're all humans, right? So yes. there's obviously things that are not a fit things that you have issues with and so forth and and there's always you know you don't have to put them to the front uh saying i'm going to be brutally honest here and authentic right. well maybe not uh be all disclosing about all your uh, mistakes and so forth um but being authentic is very helpful and the more practice you're going to get in the job interviews uh, the more authentic you're probably going to be right, right. um and it's all about, it's not only about you fitting to them, but if you're authentic, you're also going to be much more knowledgeable about, about whether they will fit to you, right? Because if you ask questions about whether they are a fit for you, um, um, this is also going to be helpful in the process. And people are not aware of how much competition there is on the other side as well. You just think that you're competing for the position no, 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 no. When I hire, when I'm in the hiring process of PhD students at the German Cancer Center, you know, it's, it's all, a, it's a very well organized um, procedure, uh, which all happens within a few days. So we have all of these PhD candidates coming and all of the group leaders are actually many, all the group leaders who want somebody, they are um, interviewing the interviewees, these candidates. Right. And it's a shark tank, you know, the people you were thought who thought were your the other group leaders who you thought were your friends suddenly they are your toughest competitors and you were like you know how can they be so brutal in trying to catch the best candidates because it's a brutal competition for the good people because science is all about people i would say that the work life is all about people but i'm not i can only see academia there and it's a competition on the other side folks 
they try to get, if you're hiring for a position, be aware that you are an asset and that the others are competing for you as well. Um, and if you're, if you're really um, um, excited, if you have adrenaline going through your veins, which is blocking you from being, from delivering well, the other story that I have is uh, how to be handling that adrenaline. Um, and for me, the best thing is, well, there's two things. One is to turn it to your advantage, to use it as energizer, right? To be there, to be present, to be active, proactive, right? Assertive to use the adrenaline as a power because that's what it was good for, right? That's what evolution gave us adrenaline for is to handle difficult situations. So use it as your, as your power, be energized. And the second much better thing is plan B, right? Um, if you have an alternative to this job, if you go like, yeah, it would be nice to have this job but it's not all depending on this. You know, I can have, I have choices. Then you're gonna be much more relaxed. I was applying for a group leader position in, in the UK, in Leeds. Um, was, the institute was headed by um, Terry Rabbits and um, he, he really said, you know, you should apply, this is really cool. And I went there and unfortunately the pay was not so good. And I was with family and so I said, well, I need this and this pay. And it was obvious that they were constrained so they couldn't pay what I wanted to have. So I actually went there for the experience which was very powerful experience with already knowing that I'm not going to pick up that job very likely. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a drastic situation. All the other candidates were biting their nails because it was really tough. They were so tough on us. They had a committee of, I don't know, 10 or 12 professors sitting behind a long table with piles of paper. Um, the whole faculty or a large proportion of the faculty sitting there. And then the candidates sitting on single chairs with a glass of water, like a, like a, like, a, uh, like in a trial. Right. Um, and, and then they were asking tough questions and thank God I was so relaxed because I felt like, you know, this is, this is interesting. <laughs> That's how I felt. Um, so I was relaxed. So if you feel like your adrenaline is in your way um, is, and is blocking you, then come up with a plan B. Consider the, 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 the options there the alternatives, because there's always alternatives. And the better you feel about the alternatives, the more relaxed you're going to be in the job interview, which means you can be more authentic, you can be more assertive, you can be more in control of turning the adrenaline to your advantage into energy. And uh, in this job interview with these folks, um, there were times when they were laughing. There were lots of times when I couldn't answer their questions, right? Because I, I just didn't know, because yeah. you can't know everything. I actually, and um, the last question actually was, um, so how do you, when, when we're gonna hire you, you're gonna be a German in the UK, right? So how are you gonna handle this when the uh, UK soccer team is gonna beat the Germans in oh God, soccer? Okay. In the, Great, excellent question, actually. Excellent question. <laughs> and they were, you know, I mean, British humor, they were all mouths were, you know, nobody smirking even, nobody, <laughs> just a totally serious question. And I went like, is this a joke? What, 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 is the, what kind of a question is that? And, and he said, this is gonna be the last question, the all deciding questions, that's what he, that's what he said. <laughs> and so I was thinking and I was like, oh, you know, whatever, bugger off. So I said, well, you know what? I don't have to answer that question because actually this situation will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> there was this moment of silence when I was like, was this too much? Was, was I going over the top? And then they all broke out into laughter. And this was, you know, this was fun. Um, 
<laughs> and it was totally intuitive that I answered it like this. And I got, of course, of course, I was offered the position. They said, um, you know, you're good, you're relaxed. You answered, it was cool. We know how you behave. We know how, you, we felt that you were authentic. Um, you handled the situation well, and um, we're gonna get, offer you the job. And then I had to disclose that I'm not gonna pick it up. But the point I wanna make is that adrenaline is good, use it. And if you're too stressed out, think of the alternatives. Um, yeah, yeah, I um, just to add up to that a little bit, like I was in a peer in a mentoring group and a peer mentoring group a while ago when I was um, an early postdoc and we were all kind of looking for support each other to for for finding other kinds of positions and so on. And it was interesting. There was this girl who would get very anxious in interviews and she mm -hmm. was she was under pressure um, to get her next position because her contract was running out and so on. And so she was doing a lot of interviews and she you know, reported several times that she was being offered always the jobs that she was the least interested in yeah. because she was going so much more relaxed to those interviews, you know, like, and it was like, we were trying to figure out how that was. And we figured out, well, those are the ones where you care a bit less. Yes. So you are a bit more relaxed. Yes. And at least she was, and she was like coming across much more authentic, much more, yes. um, yeah, just authentic and positive and, and kind of reliable, maybe in that sense as well. And, yes. and she was getting all those job offers and not so much the ones where she was anxious and really wanted to get them. So yes. the plan B, I think, can be an excellent option if you're the type of person who gets very anxious and, 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 and you know, like needs to do that. I think for me, for example, quite honestly, I, I generally like to focus on, on my plan A and put like all my energy into yeah. that. But... This requires, I think, that you are like that, that you can use that adrenaline for energy, which I am very capable of doing. Um, maybe because I practiced that a lot. Um, so when I was when I was young, I was um, I was playing an instrument. I was playing traverse flute a lot, and I traveled through the country and through other countries in competitions. I've played um, soccer semi-professionally for a while as well, which means there was a lot of pressure to handle and so on. So on stage being kind of and channeling the energy into the adrenaline into energy to be present in that moment is also something that needs practice and for me this is something that comes more naturally than having a plan b but both work both cool. can work they can work to your advantage and i think you have to find what works best for you yes. and the bottom line maybe to just recap today at least for me is that you just um remember that there are two sides to the interview yes that it's not all about you, your nervousness, your anxiety and answering questions, but it is about um, trying to solve the other person's problem and to be an asset and to be a good resource for them. Yes, to pick, to pick examples, pick stars from your yes. past because that's very powerful. Your body language is gonna, is gonna speak for you, how, how successful you were in those situations. So uh, prepare those, that's an easy thing to do and it's very powerful, it's excellent. Um, and um, be indestructible, learn from the experience. Even the job interview I had in the UK, I learned so much. We were collaborating afterwards. Um, see it as a, as a process, see it as a learning journey. Uh, learn from your mistakes, get better. You will get better if you learn from your mistakes. Um, be indestructible, get up once more often and nail the job interviews. Yes. 
I, isn't there this, um, I think it's Vabrinka, the tennis player. Um, I think I remember he was, he, he's one of those who unfortunately, well, unfortunately, he's very successful for a tennis player, but he is in the same generation as Djokovic and Nadal and Federer. And so they were taking all the titles, right? Oh. But I remember, I don't remember now exactly which, which particular Grand Slam it was that he won, uh, but his tattoo that he had on his forearm became quite um, famous. And I don't remember the exact wording, but it was something like try, fail, try again, fail again, try harder. So it was like, just, you know, get up once more and try again and try again. And he won a Grand Slam, you know, like this was a big thing. Um, of course, if you put it next to 15 or I don't know how many Federer yeah. has, sure. it, it seems like nothing, but it is a huge achievement, right? And this is, um, this is all about practice. Like every other skill we talk about, it's all about practice. And, and you can practice a lot, even in non-real interview situations by thinking about your stars, by taking your colleagues and simulating the other side, simply by practicing the interview itself as well, by, yes. by being the interviewee also. Yes. You can record yourself um, if you're brave, if you want to, to see how, how you come across and what you could improve. Um, but, and, and that's gonna make you very, very indestructible um, as a candidate. So, so use it to your advantage because you have all the power. Job interviewing, how to rock your next job interview. Folks, um, look forward to that. Use the energy. Yes, I'm Enjoy. also exactly looking forward to your comments. Let us know um, how you do it. Maybe there's also other other ways in which um, in which you've approached yes. your job interviews and we'd be happy to, to, to talk about them and to discuss them. And until then, we're also looking forward to our next episode.